You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMS Cast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Melissa Love. She's from the Design Co. and her membership. Design Space. Oh, thank you for correcting me. The Design Space Co. And then she has a membership site called the Marketing Fix Co., which is amazing. It's actually, uh, in my opinion, right now, it's the most beautiful Lifter LMS site I've ever seen. <gasps> We're going to talk about it a, a lot, a little bit later, but. Melissa's a designer, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring her in front of you, the course creators and membership site builders out there, is you have just such a strong design aesthetic that is so good. How do non-designers, how can you help non-designers start thinking a little more about design? And before you get into it, I just want to say, I heard this thing once that in a business, there's the, um, the hipster, the hacker, and the hustler. So in Lifter LMS, I'm like the hustler. Thomas is the hacker, and we have a team bigger than that. But we, we've, we've never been super strong on the hipster, which is the design part. But, and then I see work like Melissa does, and I'm like, this is the hipster, the design talent. How can non-designers level up? Oh, that's such a good question. I think what I find again and again, because I have online courses where I teach students how to build their own website. And what has normally happened in the past is, and you might this might resonate with anyone who's ever built a website, is that people just stop, install a theme and start designing. And the theme looks pretty good when you load it up and then you put your own images in. Then you kind of maybe change some fonts to your brand font, but you don't maybe have a plan. So you leave some of the fonts that came with the theme. And before you know it, you've got something that's just a bit jumbled and you're like, why doesn't it look as good as the demo? And it's really demoralizing. And... I completely understand why people do that. But when I start a project, it starts on paper and we flesh boxes, out like boxes and wireframe kind of thing or what, what do oh, you no, mean? No. Way before that we have it, we come up with a design, a brand kind of guide and it has every font, every size for every, for, for mobile, for tablet it has what a button will look like. It will have a style tile. It'll have a rough layout. And we make this brand guide before we go anywhere near the web's the li- a live site. We then turn the brand guide into certainly. I always do a homepage wireframe, which does start off with like little boxes on a on paper, but then I fully design it out in il- Illustrator so that it's a finished article for the client to sign off. And only then do we start to go over and work in the browser. That is awesome. And you you always have like I'm looking at the marketing fix right now, and I'm I'm actually logged in looking at it. And you have like there's space. Things aren't compressed. Like how to how do, how do you how do people how do you think about space? I mean, it's even in your your name, the design space. Like, what white space is a concept? How how can a non designer start to grasp it? Well, I think a lot of people are f- quite scared of white space. They have a natural desire to fill it that things don't look gappy. But white space actually is um, I, I think of it as expensive real estate. It, it really gives a feeling of luxury. It stops people f- from feeling overwhelmed. So I'm a big advocate of, of negative space. And I have, you know, and I'm designing on a big monitor. So compared to a lot of people, to, to the consumer, to the end user, 
it will probably feel more compact. But for me, I love that feeling of space. And uh, I think people shouldn't be afraid of it. I see people who are very tempted. They're like, oh, I need to stick something in that gap. So I'll put a design element or I'd rather use subtle variations in section color to, to kind of break the page up, but then give lots of space. That's cool. I think some of the, the reason people get stuck in it is they feel like if it's not above the fold, they might miss it. But I mean, your sales page for the marketing fix, once I just read the headline, I just want to keep going. You have tons of white space. Like even yeah. there's stuff I need to get to below the fold. But how do you how do you get people to not be afraid of that or or ensure that the design and the copywriting is going to make people want to go deeper? Not enough white space makes people anxious. And I've split tested it with clients who are adamant that they want less white space and we've split tested it and there's, and there's a much higher bounce rate on the on usually I've never had it come out the other way there's always a higher bounce rate on the on the cramped feeling page oh wow that's awesome so even yeah, you, can, you can prove it scientifically <laughs> split test it I'll take all the padding out good luck with that <laughs> <laughs> well I love that um that tip for people building websites for clients what's let's look at that for a little bit what's been your journey as a you know a designer website builder uh, working with clients, that's totally a pro move to the client is not always right. And let's let do a split test to let the data like just prove my point or whatever. That's like a more, that means you've been in the industry a while to get to that point. What has your um, freelancing or agency evolution been like? Well, I started out actually as at the age of 13, my parents were graphic designers and computers. Oh, wow. Like the ha computers hadn't been invented. So my mum had an IBM Scalectrix with like the golf ball fonts. And then my dad would cut that, cut that up and stick it on a board that take it off to be blown up with a print shop to be made into a plate. Then he wow. would bring back the blown up thing and then he would cut it up and, you know, rearrange it into whatever it was. If you were making a form, he would literally do it with ruler and pen. So it's kind of old school. <laughs> and I was working in the business from quite a young age and I thought it was so dull. I was no, there was no way I was ever going to be in that business but I did have a really good kind of understanding of typography and font families and hierarchies and all the kind of terminology that someone in print would use in print design so and once you can do that kind of you never end up not being able to do that because people are always like can you design a wedding invitation for me hey you're good at design can you do posters so I kind of always kept my hand in and then I went off and I did all sorts of things in, in the travel industry and completely different industries until I had kids and then of course I was like eh, maybe I should work from home and I kind of was freelancing, built myself a website and kind of people kept saying, can you do that for me? And I was like, oh yeah, I'll have a go. It was like the really early, I was so about my pets running around. It's all good. It was the early days of the internet. So I think I probably used something like Wix or Moonfruit to build my first site. Then WordPress exploded and I was like, that's really cool. So I built some terrible WordPress sites and um, then I kind of really started to develop my, my skills. Um, really because I was spending a lot of money on, on people co on coding and I was very small at that time and getting help from people who were good with CSS and I thought enough you need to learn this properly so I then spent a, a lot of time taking courses and getting getting help and just learning through trial and error what works and that's a good what year are we at around this point like what this year is about 12 years 11 years ago I'd say wow. 10 years ago I was probably just starting to get into WordPress and starting to really kind of growing my knowledge but of course you know there's so much now that that you kind of accumulate over a 10-year period in terms of you know data testing you know I've got clients who are adamant that they want 
their site to look perfect on a specific monitor type and I'm like great let's look at the data and then you you kind of you you grow such a knowledge that you can confidently say this is the right thing for you this is not the right thing for you and yeah so o- over time it, it's been quite a long haul but I've been WordPress specialist now for oh years and I love it so what was your like what was your client evolution did you um like what types of clients do you did you work with do you work with well, I, I had a really lucky break. I was designing websites for anyone. Like I, my first website was for a pet shop. My second one was for a funeral directors. And they, and I was charging £295, which is about, you know, three to $300. I, thought I, I sold my it. first website for $300 in I 2002. I, making, I thought <laughs> I made it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a friend came down who I'm still, who's still one of my best friends, um, came down for the weekend and she was a photographer and she said, look at my terrible website. I paid some guy in the States like $5,000 for this, but I hate it. And I was like, God, it really is bad. $5,000, that's insane. So I kind of built her a quick website over the weekend and we were together and she went back and said, right, I'm on this photography course, at this really prestigious training academy and there's loads of people in my course all with no or terrible websites. I'm going to go back and tell them. So she rang me two days later and went, my friend, um, wants a website from you and I've told you charge a thousand pounds and I said are you mad I can't charge someone that money that's right. crazy she's like end of end of discussion so I did that <laughs> website and then she she then referred me on and by I've done about three or four people and then the owner of that training academy I met her and she went right would you come and be a mentor on our kind of flagship course and teach people about branding and design so I then had a really steady stream of quite high paying clients. By this point, I think I was at 3,000 pounds and I was starting to... What year are we at here? (laughs) So this is probably about seven years ago. Okay. So I was probably just about able to get the words out. Yes, I charged three. (laughs) (laughs) And And were you you meeting these clients in person or or picking them up through the internet and never meeting them in person or both? point I was traveling up to the other end of the country kind of four times a year to meet these special in each intake of this special group they're all photographers so I started to become quite specialist in that niche photography started started to get asked to talk at photography conferences then a couple of um photographers who I really admired I met them at a photography convention they're kind of they're from the states they're very famous asked me to do their branding and their website and that was a really big deal I didn't understand how big a deal it was till they launched it live on creative live Okay. <laughs> and um, I was like driving down, we were moving house. So I was driving down to the other end of the country with my kids and I saw I've got like 100 missed calls. What's going on? And I finally got back onto the internet. I had 3,000 inquiries. It was insane. So I had wow. to get my kind of CMS guy to write a little script so I could bulk reply to them all just to say, oh my God, thank you for contacting me. And that was, that was the beginning of craziness then. I've never those two people that photography training school and the, the photographers who I'm still good friends with all of these people, they've been kind of like my fairy godmothers. I've then since then I've had a waiting list of six months to a year since forever. So what's your uh, team like, like, or what kind of roles are, or, or do you solo operate or how do you do it? Well, I have, um, I have quite lots. I've maybe three or four people who play a part-time role in my business, but um, I'm struggling because with launching the membership, that's really taken off in a big way so I'm about to hire a full-time VA which I'm kind of a little bit scared of but I desperately know I need to do it so I have someone who um does covers all our support tickets because we sell WordPress themes and I have um and she's amazing and that's been a big leap forward that I don't that that's not how I start my day anymore by answering support tickets um I have someone who does deals with day-to-day inquiries 
Um, and occasionally I get people and I have kind of, I take, I don't take many clients anymore, probably five or six a year. I just, there's a lot more I want to concentrate on now. So I've radically, which is a bit scary, radically reduced my client workload. So it's been clients, software, and now a membership site. Like that's a, that's a lot going on. And um, tell me about your relationship with Divi. Mm, so I was um, a really early adopter. So I was using Elegant Themes before Divi. When yep. they released Divi, I was like, what is this magic? It's amazing. I've been hand coding so much stuff, which right. is good. Like it's great to have those skills. And I started using it. I was like, this is crazy good. This is so easy. And I had been selling templates for a couple of other, for Profoto, which is a photography-specific WordPress theme, and for another platform, which is the kind of drag and drop. Back then, it was a Flash platform called Show It. It's now kind of amazing, completely different proposition. And I thought, what if you could export some kind of child theme? And I, I hadn't really seen whether this was a thing. So I, I actually wrote to Nick Roach and I said, Nick, you don't know who I am, but this is what I do. And how would you feel if I was to publicly sell like package up a child theme, write a script to water install it. And he was like, yeah, go for it. That sounds great. So I was the first person to ever do that, to sell any kind of Divi product. Oh, and, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow, so I really? kind of announced it in this group, <laughs> in, the, in the, the big like group full of 40,000 people. And people went kind of crazy. They were like, $150, you're insane. I could build something like that. And I'm like, go on then. And of course, you know, your average person cannot build a 12-page beautiful looking website. No going to take them days and i'm saying look you can press one button and you'll have this beautiful website for 150 dollars with all the pages and everything all the demo content right there and you just have to kind of replace the images and, and text and people are like some people are like oh, i get that that's amazing other people are like this is a scam who would pay for that and i'm like well you're not my customer so it kind of was a, this crazy moment where people suddenly went what and then probably six months later it exploded and then there was a marketplace and but I was the one who kind of dropped the bomb and it was hilarious. I mean, I, I knew there would be some major reaction to it, but Nick and the team were always super supportive and I've met them. I went to meet them last time they had a team meeting in Europe and they're just a really great community and I've always kept in touch with them as a community. Yeah. The Divi community is really amazing. Um, and I'm, it, help me with my math. How many child themes do you have? Are there like 50? I'm on the design co uh, or the designspace.co right now looking at yeah. your themes page. I think we've got 15 for Divi maybe. 15, cool. Yeah, there's uh, but, a... see, they're heavily photography biased, but there's I've got a couple which are less so. I do quite a lot of WooCommerce stuff. Doing work for photography clients. I mean, you're I, you're a hardcore designer, so you're not that intimidated. But if I was a website, and I, when I design websites, if I got a photography client, which I had before, I know their design aesthetic and their need is going to be, they're going to be tough to please, basically. You really got to nail it. But maybe I'm thinking about that wrong. Well, this is what happens when you become a specialist, you know, and I'm a really big fan of niching down. It's something, it's a, it's a topic I talk about a lot when I'm teaching people. The value of that is it allows you to position yourself as the expert and then you become the least risk choice for somebody. So that's stage one. Like if you're talking about some guy you met, who happens to work in an IT department and builds websites on the side or like your brother's cousin who builds websites, which is how a lot of people end up finding someone to build their first website. They will have some knowledge, but actually I can phone up the, the 
operations director of the UK's main photo printing lab because I know him and say, hey, I'm not happy with your API. This isn't really working for the, the way I integrate with Gravity Form. You sort that out and he'll go, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so I have an intimate knowledge of everything a photographer needs in a website. So right. that's stage one. And you could have that and have terrible design aesthetic and you could hire a graphic designer to, to at least kind of design the front end. But then I've got to the point where my sites are a bit out, you know, they're, they're different. Yeah. And they're beautiful. And I've got to the point where people aren't really wanting, they're saying, do what you want to do. I want you to let your imagination run wild because I want a site that's really striking that, pe- that stops people in their tracks. And then that's great because then I have, I've got a client today who basically went, do whatever you like. I trust you completely. Do the branding process, you know, and then um, then we, we work together, do the layout. And she's like, "Yep, absolutely no changes, just build it." So, <laughs> if, you, if you can have the if you can have the expert, the technical trust, but then you have a design aesthetic that people want because you are known for that, then that's the double whammy. And that does take a long time to kind of get there. I, I'm not. I, it, it's taken me ten years to get to that point. So you don't just pick a niche; you have to operate in it for over time, for a long time. That's yeah. And I'm, I'm, not, I do really hustle. Like I, I go and speak at four, five or six photography conferences a year. Some are small. I go and speak to small groups and large groups. You know, I'm not out there being a kind of superstar. But most wedding and portrait photographers would possibly have heard of me. But I still, I don't ever slack off. I'm still showing up at events and shaking hands and networking with people and writing guest posts here and doing podcasts. And I love, Mar- I love that because you've yeah. got to marketing your business, right? Yeah. Marketing never sleeps. Yeah. Um, well, tell, tell us about the, the journey into doing course or membership sites for, did it start with doing it for clients or how did you get into that type of platform and building and designing those? Oh, well, I had an, I had a site that I built for someone someone who I still work with who's who uses Lifter now and we I think we used LearnDash and it was agony you know it was ugly this is like eight seven or eight years ago everything had to, I wrote so much CSS I think like a record number of lines of CSS just to make it <laughs> halfway nice okay and I and I found it frustrating and clunky and this is before I was using Divi so I was that was why there was so much CSS and then I got called upon to do I ended up using a theme an LMS theme off theme forest for another company. I used that one too was it called Academy it, it, well, the site is called the Academy. Oh, okay. They, well, there was an Academy yeah. theme on Theme Forest from a long time ago. That's how I got into it. I used that theme, and that was the starting point. But go ahead. Uh, and then I can't remember. I think it was for my own site when I first started selling courses. So three or four years ago, I launched um, Site School, which was it's been subsumed now into the marketing fix. But because I was selling all these themes, people were like, "Great, I love your theme, but I don't really know what I'm doing." I thought, "Oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do a course." which was pretty much, this is how you customize a theme and this is all how you, this is how you buy hosting. So you know, it was like the A to Z of, you know, how to build a website. And that was really good. Probably I've had about five or 600 people through that over the last few years. And I used Lifter. And for the first iteration of it, I was um, letting it kind of, letting the defaults, still writing CSS. And then I got, um, I then got a friend of mine, Sean Barton from who, who makes lots of Divi modules and stuff, the CPT layout injector guy, um, he very kindly tweaked something and suddenly I could start to build layouts using, sh- so I'm a short code hacker. So, you know, I'm always asking group, why isn't there a short code? <laughs> right, I want right. to drop it into a code module and then style yeah. it with Divi. So I, yeah. all, the, all the people have auto, I do the same with WooCommerce, any auto generated page that's generated because it has a short code, I'm like, brilliant. That's now, I can just style that however I like. So yeah. 
I took exactly that approach. Plus I was using in Divi, if you're familiar with it, they now have a theme, so you can like create a template for any custom post type. I was using a plugin to do that, but then I was adding in, I've now added us advanced custom fields. So there's really nothing I can't build um, and have to have it auto-generate. I'm now pretty much can build everything I want to using the Divi builder. So I'm inside and I'm now I've got a building environment for Lifted that as pleases me aesthetically, I can get there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Could, do you remember like when you were starting the site school, what you were doing? Like you were evalu- looking for tools. Like how did you find? Do you happen to remember how you find us at yeah. Lifter LMS or what? What was it like at that time? It well, I remembered finding out about it, and even then there was a small group which I remember joining because I had a lot of questions. Um, and I think I liked that the core that I could play around with it for free to start with, to see if I could push it to do what I wanted to do. And I was switching this client over from LearnDash and we quickly worked out, actually he had a quite a good tech stack. He had some budget. He didn't mind buying like WP fusion. I didn't think it was around then. We hacked it all together anyway. It worked. So obviously when it came to build my site, I was like, I'm going to use that. And then it, I had a little wobble because I, when I was, I hadn't really got my head around the membership. As, well, I had, I was had memberships that included lots of mini courses, but when I recently built the marketing fix, I just played around with it. I was thinking, should I go a bit more fully membery with like member press or something? But I couldn't see that it provided any advantage whatsoever. Before we get into the the marketing fix, um, there's an interesting debate, or I'm just trying to think of how to frame the question. Like loosely, the way I think about it is um, plugins are for functionality. Like Lifter LMS is mostly functionality and our design is really generic. And then hopefully themes come along and talented people like yourself to design. In some ways, it's um, uh, intimidating is the wrong word. But to know like a really good designer like you is like using our tool. I'm like, oh, this the, the default design is really not that good. It's because we're mostly like the back end, the functionality, the courses, the reporting, the progression tracking, the user accounts, all that stuff is where we shine. But we live in a WordPress ecosystem where, uh, you know, theme products and page builders and um, designers like yourself can make it beautiful like you definitely did with the marketing fix. How do you think about whether it's Lyft or LMS or WooCommerce or whatever, how do you think about the different roles we all play to make a project come together successfully from both a functionality and a design standpoint. I think the what the basic theme, the basic functionality of something like Lifter looks like, it almost doesn't matter anymore because I found a way using custom post types um, and tools that work with custom post types to be in the building environment I want, in the design environment I want, which is in the Divi Builder. Yep. Um, so I would say there's probably Two, two or three things I have to style. I have to style the login form with CSS and the dashboard course grid, mm-hmm. which, I've, as you know, I have on numerous occasions <laughs> talked about the dashboard and how it looks, but everything yeah. else is built in Divi. Yeah. So I've got, you know, and that was... So you're just using us for the functionality. You don't, you, 100%. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's why, you know, and I've even bought, built my own couple of short codes before you had them. Like there were no... There were no next lesson so I, I kind of hacked the short code together for those and so I was using that in a layout um, but that that's so they're nearly all there now nearly all the short codes that have appeared have really each time it solved a design problem that I used to have to either 
write some function something into the functions PHP or you know so it's taken slowly 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 these problems have disappeared and am I probably my last there's a kind of one or two little things I'd love things like beautiful grid displays like the grid or essential grid don't pick up the less certain part certain custom post types once things like that you know start to happen if that API kind of that becomes you know it, it won't matter then and that's what I love because then I can teach people I can just yeah, I've got a theme nearly ready to go which is going to be come out in Divi and Elemental for an interface with free Lyftra LMS so people can at least not have to kind of code and not get to not have to use all the auto-generated interface not not and that sounds bad like I'm saying it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's okay yeah you know people anytime someone has to start inspecting code and that they're not a professional designer that's not good for me as someone who sells themes right well, that's so awesome. I'm looking for ways to avoid that scenario yeah that's great or, or someone for your average user who is building their own website you're kind of a unicorn in the sense that uh you know heavy design skills but can also get into the development and php and all, all that stuff too that's that's super um you know valuable combination that a lot of people they pick a side but to to be holistic and to also like use the products you create yourself it just gives you an incredible advantage and and skill set how did the the marketingfix.co come about and and first like what's the elevator pitch of what it is so i noticed so everything has come about just from demand from my community so i was selling themes but then realized that people actually wanted some education on how to build a website then I was teaching people to build websites and I noticed that they weren't really then using their website as a marketing tool. So people were really overwhelmed by all the things they felt they had to do. They had to know about Facebook and Instagram and, you know, they weren't using email marketing. They didn't have their Facebook pixel in all the kind of standard things that I do with a, a custom client. People were just like building their sites and they looked lovely. And then that was it. Right. They were just like a pretty shop window. And I kept post it. I've got a, quite a big Facebook group that I use as a kind of driver for a lot of growth and nobody knew any of this stuff. I was starting to kind of do little lives in my Facebook group and people were like, oh, mind blown. I didn't know you can do that. So I, was, I just thought, do you know what? I want a kind of low, fairly low cost membership where people feel really supported. And my elevator pitch is one thing once a month, we do it together. I give them all the swipe files, everything they need. Then we move on together as a community so people have don't feel overwhelmed and, who's and the ideal that. customer like how, how do you def how would you describe them uh, my ideal customer is a, is a creative business probably a one-man team or couple uh, a lot of them are photographers though that's changing i'm branching out a bit and it will be someone who's either built their own website or they've had it built for them and that they um kind of know how to use it but they really feel like they need to grip get to grips with it and it will be somebody who hasn't um, done a lot of reading around the subject of digital marketing or online marketing. They their main their main marketing plan is kind of organically and slightly randomly posting on social media and wondering how they can drive traffic. So they're not really leveraging any of the tech that's out there that can help you with that. That's awesome. And what tools did you use? What is kind of in the stack that makes the marketing fix possible? Oh, okay. So um, obviously Divi, um, Active Campaign. That's my and you've probably seen my my colleague KPC around. Yeah, the various yeah. She's, like she's an active campaign marketing automation person, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like amazing. In fact, well, we our kids go to school together, so she lives literally around the corner from me. And I came home from a mastermind group in Nashville, 
and it was this high level kind of mastermind and I just you know when they say never be the smartest person in the room I was literally the dumbest person in the room People <laughs> I, I did the same thing I'm like oh my gosh I shouldn't be here but I, I learned so much <laughs> like, yeah. what does that mean I don't know what that means so I was kind of um came back from that and I said to Kay one day we were sitting around the kitchen table and I was like I need to find a really clever person who can like just go and learn everything there's to know about Facebook ads and email marketing and she was like yeah, I reckon I can have a go at that. And she was like, a t- she's a teacher. She's like marking exam papers and her- had a background in maths and computing. And I was like, okay, well, have at it. So she worked really closely with me for a year, just really kind of honing her knowledge and kind of beating our systems into shape. And now she's, you know, I can barely get any time on her diary. She's so sought after as this kind of world-renowned expert. She's just amazing. So um, so she's she's been she's driven a lot of this integration. So we have we tie it all together with WP Fusion, and that literally makes everything work from conditional formatting to um, dripping lessons to the way that our active campaign rewards people when they complete lessons and courses. It's and then obviously our best performing students, they drive our Facebook audiences. It's all so deeply integrated that it's allowed us to make massive strides in terms of the way we, we advertise and the way we target people. So correct me if I misspeak or if I miss anything. You said, um, obviously, you're using WordPress, you're using Divi, you're using LiftLMS, you're using WP Fusion, you're using oh, WooCommerce, yeah. Commerce, and uh, you're using ActiveCampaign on the back, you're using Facebook groups. Is there a Facebook, there's a Facebook group that you use for marketing and, or just general community and then a smaller one that, of like your members, right? Yeah. yeah. And, Anything else in the stack? Any other key plugins or anything? Um, we use Zoom to run our member webinars, and mm-hmm. that's really great. And it's not—they're not really integrated with anything. Uh, I've thought about embedding it. I—I I mean, my people who my I, my other clients do hang out on Facebook because they are lone workers and they like the community aspect of. Uh, I visually like the way because when I'm teaching something quite visual, Facebook groups for me are better than on-site forums. But I am about to build a site for a friend who um, is building. It'll be it'll be with Lifter. She she's I'm looking for. She doesn't know anything about it yet. But she needs a serious for Facebook like forum. And I know the new integration coming up. Yeah. Um, with I can't remember what it's called. Well, but um, buddy Groups? something. No, not your. There's there's a new integration you're about to launch. The- oh, uh, uh, Buddy Boss. Yes. I it's think not us. It's a, it's another company. They make Buddy Boss, which is a social network for WordPress that has Lyft yeah. LMS integration. And it's, it's really beautiful. It's a nice social network for your WordPress website. Yeah. Well, she's gonna, that's going to be for something like 25,000 members. So I'm really going to push it with that next build, I think, to see how far I can really push a high volume site. So. Well, I've seen Lifter LMS being used on like 40,000 member sites. Lifter can hang in there. And, uh, yeah. Is that David Molnar? Not that I, one. I mean, there's more. Yeah. There, there's well, another one. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm aware of him, but I didn't know his numbers or whatever. But um, yeah. And, and what do you use for hosting? I'm just curious. Or what do you maybe you use I'm a couple with, different? What? No, I'm with SiteGround at the moment. SiteGround, awesome. Well, I want to get into the the stack. I mean, obviously, the MarketingFix.co has beautiful design, and um, but what I what I love most about it, and this is really the bril- the brilliance of Melissa Love. You've said it in different ways, which is you put your customer at the center of your business, not your product. So when your customers needed training on how to use your, um, your uh, child themes and whatnot, you created training. So you keep surrounding your ideal customer with things to support them and help them achieve their goals. 
So when I look inside your membership site, you have courses, library, fixes, calendar, and perks. Can you kind of go over the stack of what all those things are and why you chose them? Well, I've got to admit, I've had some really good um, help in terms of, I belong to a couple of memberships myself, which have, one of them is the Membership Academy by the Membership Guys. And I oh, went they're to, great. They're fantastic. Amazing. So I yeah. went to their live um, event in last November and I, no, last September. And I was kind of went, because I've got a few clients I was building membership sites for, thinking, yeah, that's not for me. I'm happy teaching my open cart, you know, evergreen courses. And I kind of, I left after that weekend going, I'm starting a membership site. So they inspired you to like pull the trigger. Well, right. So we were, this isn't what I've been feeling for a while that I wanted to roll up all my courses into a membership, but I didn't quite know how to do it. But that week at their event, I kept meeting people. Like every time you went for a coffee break, you'd go, you'd meet some amazing person. I'd say, what do you do? And they'd go, I teach people how to win ultimate Frisbee. And I'd be like, really? How many members have you got? Oh, 800. And you'd be like doing the masking. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, you like niches, right? (laughs) Yeah. So this is a room full of people, like really niche experts who were making great money and were really passionate about what they did and had these amazing communities. And I knew that my community, I wanted to transform it and really kind of make it more inspirational. So I kind of went away from that thinking. So I joined their membership and I joined another membership, which has been really instrumental, which I love called Atomic. Um, And that is Andrew and Pete, who are kind of brilliant marketers. And so the best of both of those dashboards, I was shamelessly stole ideas. Like I love the subscribe to the atomic calendar. You know, both of them had a members perks area. I wanted to, the dashboard that I've come up with is mark how I would want a dashboard to be. But um, I wanted a library of files so that if you need to get something done and you do a monthly training with us, you just go to the library and you can just download the template. I want, I want to remove- cool. I, I just wanted to talk, park on that. And this is just another way of you surrounding your customer with support. I think I noticed in there there was like Canva template or Canva templates so for like making an ebook or whatever. Yeah. So so you keep solving what um, David Vogelfall from WP Engine calls the most annoying problem on the internet, which is um, you buy something and then you have a blank screen. So yeah. like you're accelerating the path. What what other kind of files are in there? So there's Canva templates, there are things like, and there's a Divi layout for, you know, when you go to the link in your Instagram bio and people like use something like Linktree, Yeah. but that's, that's really glitchy. So I've made this special little iPhone only Divi layout, which is for, instead of Linktree, which you can just, so things like that, that are annoying little problems that you actually don't quite know how to tackle. I've said here, have this. So whenever we do a training and some, and, and we do our live trainings and during the training, like. Yes, last night, yesterday, we had a training on email marketing and people saying, yeah, but what I really need is a video showing me how to connect Gravity Forms and MailerLite and um, 17 Hacks. How do I make all of those three things work with Gravity Forms? So I was like, fine, today I'm making a video on that and that will go into, you know, the library and I will probably, um, I might in the library then put a snippet of how to style your Gravity Form, a CSS snippet. So that's the kind of thing that we will put into the library, just if there's a problem, any friction that's stopping my, my community moving forward, getting the job done and moving forward, that's, that's what goes into the library. These little things which make life a lot easier. How do you think about the difference between courses and these like trainings or webinars you do both yourself or with outside experts? Um, so yeah, a little, so we have the core courses and this, this, is, this is interesting actually. I would actually love to have the fixes. I've actually created them, the monthly trainings I've created a custom post type for them because I couldn't find a way to lay them out 
um, the way I wanted, if they were, if I'd done them as courses, I couldn't find a way to lay them out that was visually how I needed them to be. So I, and at some point I, I'm hoping there will be a way to do that and I can then convert those custom post types actually to courses. Are you saying because it's a, um, it's like a hour long training or whatever versus like these short, like step-by-step courses, they're, they're a little different. Is that what you mean? No, it was because I fish. So, you know, they are one-off trainings. But a good example is yesterday, in the run-up to prepping for yesterday, I realized that in an hour, I couldn't actually cover everything I needed to do. So we had a training called the VIP Inquiry Experience yesterday. It was, how do you, when someone submits your contact form, what happens after that in a 14 to 21-day period to make you famous to them, for them to trust you as an expert, to be the person they want to book with? So how do you convert them from tire-kicking price driven person to a fan who wants to book you so we had so some of it is automation some of it is personal marketing touches some of it you know there's all sorts of things and I thought we can cover the strategy in an hour but I can't cover that everything I I physically need to show them how to set up a retargeting ad for Facebook so some of it's very detailed so what I've done is the monthly training goes into the library as a monthly training I've quickly busted out a mini course in Lifter which now appears in their courses area and that's called the VI and that's got, you know, all the steps one by one by one. Nice. And what, how do you use the, your calendar? You have a calendar in there and um, it's, I guess you have live trainings going on. You have a lot for people to keep track of. Is that, why was the calendar born? I, I love it. I think it's super cool. And what, and what tools are you using for that? Well, I took, I went through a lot of testing here. First of all, I had a plugin like event on, I think it was. And then I tried the events calendar but I needed one where you could subscribe to all events with one click. And that was the only thing, none of them, you can subscribe to individual events, but I needed people to see on their, whatever calendar tool they use, Google Calendar or iCal, all the events, because we have a monthly training. We repeat that training the next day in the evening for people who are in a different time zone. I just play it, but I come on at the end and at the beginning, the end to, to live host it and answer questions. And we also, in the, in the other two weeks when we don't have live training, we do a live Q&A. So it's kind of like a mastermind hot seat. You bring any problem to the table and we all dive in together on Zoom and try and solve it. So I needed people to, uh, to, to not miss events. So that was, so in, eventually I found a subscription service. I think it's like $7 a month called Tokify. Nice. So it's an embedded Tokify calendar, which and it had to sync with my Google calendar. So yeah. I had to easily be able to schedule guest experts and stuff. So, oh, that was like a whole day of research to get there. And I also needed it to be able to look nice, which is obviously my number, always my number one. (laughs) (laughs) I love your approach. It's not like it's time for me to go shopping for tools. You always have like this job to be done or friction or pain to get out of the way or to help your target customers speed up or accelerate. It's like a different approach that is, uh, is very refreshing and not as common as you might think. Um, what about the perks? So these are like, are they, are these like pro dis special discounts you've negotiated with other tools that they need to be successful in your program, that kind of thing? Yeah. And that's growing all the time. So I can't teach everything. I'm not a marketing expert about everything. So I bring in experts as our experts. So I've got a Facebook ads person and like Kay comes in, got an Instagram person. When they come in, they can put a perk in the library which is as it should be, then common tools. So there's a benefit to them coming to teach for free kind of thing. Like they're getting exposure and they get a link with people that are going to be interested in them. Yeah. Uh, not everyone teaches for free. You know, yeah. you, there's okay. some big names there who I, I, I wouldn't have got them for free. Um, so yeah, so and yeah, it's perhaps you can't get somewhere else. You can only get them if you're a member. That is super cool. 
What would you say has been the impact of Lifter LMS on your life and your business? Um, well, it's this is really phenomenally like teaching and, and leading community has been um, a huge shift away. It's helped me to really, it makes sense. All the things I do, it makes sense of all the things I do. So, you know, the, 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 the themes, the how-to, and now the community and the marketing it all seems to fit together in a really nice whole. And I couldn't have done it without a tool like Lifter LMS. If that didn't exist, I'm sure I would have hacked together something similar. But actually, I really look for... Oh, let me just try and stop that phone from ringing. Yeah, no problem. So one thing I really look for in a community is that it's friendly and inclusive. So I have met everyone on the Divi team in person. The Show It team, I know. The Photo team, I've met in person. I go out of my way to make friends with people whose tools I'm a heavy user of. So I couldn't see that personal touch in any of the other communities. Um, and I could in yours. And that was what really kind of attracted me to it, really. And I thought, actually, this is a community that listens. Chris listens. You know, he, he, he's there in the community. He's very present. And that's how I run my community. So I, that was, for me, the deciding factor. Wow, that's, that's great to hear. Thank you for that. And maybe we will meet in person in Portugal at WordCamp Europe. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> That would be cool. Um, what, um, what's next? Like where, like you've got the marketing fix and that's like, how is this project going to evolve? Are you just going to keep adding value, keep bringing in experts or is there something else you've got planned after this or what's, what's, what's happening in the next one to three years? If you, if you know, um, yeah. yeah, I've got a little bit of, well, yeah, I always have a master plan, but I, I want, obviously I want to grow the membership and I have a figure in mind, which I think would be in a kind of a good balance. Uh, so obviously we can keep adding value with every month that passes. So, you know, there's always something new. So Alison, who's coming in to do Facebook ads in six months time, I'm going to want her back in again because a lot will have changed. Yeah. So the membership is something that people, I want them to be membership member of forever because there's things are always changing. There's always new value. The library's going to grow. Um, and our community, you've been in our group now, and it's just so lovely. People are really open about what they share. It feels like a really safe environment. And people have told me it's, you know, I, I'm now starting to, when I go to conferences and things, and this is my next big thing is I'm, I've been meeting quite a few members in person. And we do lots of fun things like member of the month and they get a gift and, you know, so I want to do more of that. So my next thing will be some version of the Marketing Fix Live. There'll be a live event later this year. Like a small mastermind retreat or like an, or it's a value add to what you've already got going that's included or whatever. I'm going to ask the membership. They're going to tell me what they want and then I'll do what they want because <laughs> that's what I do. I always see what they want. That is brilliant. Um, I think we'll be open to, I'm looking, I mean, in my head, I'm looking at two days or one day that's open to non-members too and I'll bring in some speakers and then a second day, which is members only mastermind, limited number of places. That's cool. I don't, well, I, but I don't know. I need to survey the community and do what they. I love want. that. It's not about pushing product. It's about pulling, uh, yeah. you know, listening and pulling and hearing where the friction is and what they want. Um, who else are your influences or what, what, like if somebody wants to level up on design, you know, what are some resources that have had a big impact on you? Maybe books or just people to follow on YouTube or whatever. Well, in the early years, uh, there were a lot of design blogs I followed. And my big one was um, Spoon Graphics, Chris Spooner. 
Okay. He's a huge, he was a huge influence of mine. And I remember, um, I remember quite early on, I reached out to him and said, listen, I'm thinking about launching themes for as someone who has monetized what they do successfully. I, I remember going to his about page and it said, um, I'm not taking on any new clients because I'm busy running spoon graphics. And I was like, Oh my God, you can make money off the internet. I was so, I was like, this is a thing. You don't have to just work with clients. That's, Oh, that's, so that that really kickstarted me. I'd been following so many of his tutorials. <laughs> I, then when I was going to launch something, I, I reached out to him and he replied and he was so kind and said, look, do this. Here's my advice, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I met him at a design conference about two years ago and I was like, oh my God, I'm such a massive fan. He's like, but I know who you are. And I was like... <laughs> That's he's awesome. like, you're an int- internet entrepreneur. No, you did it. So he's like <laughs> such a big, it was like meeting a rock star. So a couple of people like him really influenced me. And because he's, he's got impeccable design skills as a graphic designer, but he also runs line, line, is it line 24? He's a coder as well. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. You can be both. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to, we're going to do a quick lightning round just for fun. Okay. So short, punchy answers. What advice do you have for people who are making a featured image for their course? Oh, uh, be consistent. Um, I'm, I've just moved on to doing square images. I don't know if that's the kind of... <laughs> no, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, um, what, you know, a lot of people who create courses and membership sites work from home. And as a designer, if you're listening to this podcast episode, I'd encourage you to come on over to um, the YouTube version on the Lifter LMS YouTube channel. I can see your office. It's beautiful. Like, it's, uh, like, how can we design our workspace to be more inspiring, less stressful, and more creative? If you can, try and make a little space your own. For a long time, I was um, working in kind of a spare bedroom, and it never... Um, and one day I went away and my husband kindly moved me into like a very tiny room in the house, which previously was some kind of storage cupboard, but it was all painted white and it was really beautiful. It was my little space where I could just about close the door behind. So if you can find it, carve out a little space somewhere, even if it's just a corner of a room, maybe put up a screen or, you know, and, and paint, paint a square of the floor and just, you know, I love coming into my office and these days I've got a whole kind of big room and it's lovely, but I, mean, I just started small in a tiny corner, but I've always made that corner my own. What role do words and copywriting play in design? Oh, massive. In fact, I work really closely with a copywriter and she does her best work when she can see a layout from me so she can infer the personality of the design. And so does the, do- copy, does the copy come before the design process or it's, it's kind of, they kind of work together or how does it work? They very much work together. We were just chatting at this today because the client I'm working with today she got the copy through and I know that my copywriter cat was saying, yeah, but I need a bit more. I'd like to see where Melissa's going with this. I've now just sent through the first draft. She's like, my mind's on fire. I've got it. So she can now do the second iteration because she can see the personality of the design. And I know that's not helpful because not everyone works with a copywriter, but we both do our best work when we're working in rounds together at the same time. That's awesome. Well, Melissa Love, she's at the marketingfix.co. She's also at the designspace.co. Um, thank you for being a shining example of somebody using Lifter LMS. And really, it's, uh, it's, you're the reason we do what we do. But more importantly, your customer or your learner um, is who I see ourselves serving. You're making a big impact and you're helping other designers, which is uh, a beautiful thing. And you know, helping people build careers and build, be able to create these valuable 
um, pro- products and um, services. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, any, any final words for the people or any other ways people can connect with you? Uh, yeah, they can. I've got an open Facebook group called the Design Space Lounge. And I've also, if you are a designer wanting some, I've got a ton of training for you guys. There's another Facebook group called Grow Your Web, Des- Grow Your Web Design Business with Melissa Love. Just come into a couple of my free free groups. There's so much. There's so many kind of Facebook lives we've done. We have guest experts into all of those groups, design-led guest experts. So just come and connect with me online, friend me, follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm, I've got so much free content that I can give to you, which I happily will do. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'll see you soon. And I'm looking forward to kind of releasing kind of Lifter themes soon. So I'm no doubt we'll be chatting lots. Yeah, that sounds great. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet. Thank you.